All right, so hopefully everybody has uh, an outline. It should say Christmas, an invitation to walk in the favor and power of God. Before we leave this Christmas subject and all the connection with it, uh, sometimes I think we leave too soon because we don't mine out enough of how the whole thing started and how that applies to us. And if there's anything that happened with these Christmas characters, uh, they were walking in the most amazing faith uh, toward God and incurring his favor and power in the process. And I'm just going to read uh, some of these verses again that we've been reading over the last you know, few weeks as part of the Christmas story. But I want to revisit a couple of them. And uh, I just want to make some points about them that I think might be helpful as we move into the new year and in the space that we're in. I, I don't think there's ever been a space that has required of God's people more faith corporately, uh, meaning all across the United States, maybe even the globe, than this season. It's been uh, quite a season of an exercise of uh, faith and keeping moving forward toward the Lord and toward His promises. And uh, and so it doesn't help when we get separated from one another and you know we find ourselves you know at home a lot or isolated or whatever. And then of course all the news and the negativity going on, it's really easy to sort of cave in and lose your faith. But your faith, you see, is actually part of the invitation. God invites us to walk in this favor and power of God through the circumstances of our life. And it's a glorious thing, actually. And uh, I haven't reached there yet, but I'm getting closer and closer to not allowing allowing anything to intimidate me. Uh, whatsoever. Um, so if you go through enough battles and you believe God for enough things and it gets you to the other side, somewhere along the way I would assume that we should have a little bit of calm in our spirit when things happen. Calm enough to hear, calm enough to believe, calm enough to apprehend whatever blessing is inside of the problem. That's why God says God causes all things to work together for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, which is a very dramatic script scripture, isn't it? It means he's got your back covered, right? (laughs) All things. You mean if I lose my job? Yes. You mean if I get sick? Yes. You mean if I'm having trouble with my family? Yes. All these are a big yes, right? And so the Christmas story, as we review it again here, and uh, and of course this will be the last time this year and not till next year, but what struck me as I was going through this this time and just reading through it and studying again, it's just Remarkable to me, there's this dramatic story behind the story. And it's these people, if you put yourself in their place, like Mary, for example, you put yourself in her place, what faith, what she was asked to do. You know, we glory in her victory. We glory in Joseph's victory. But there's another side to it. It's that other side. Maybe we could call this message the other side of Christmas. It's that side. We find ourselves in a dark space. We find ourselves in an unfinished place. And what we do in that space is the key to God's favor. Not that he doesn't have favor and love us anyway and like us, whether we fail, succeed in between. But still, there's this amazing offer of favor. And so what we have to do is navigate the difficulty. That's our job. Navigate it with faith, expectancy, right? Not give up. Move forward. Take every promise of God and apply it over our life. Speak it. Do the things the Bible says that we're supposed to do, even when it just seems backwards. Even the act of giving seems backwards, doesn't it? Does that sound backwards, you know? What about the economy? What about this? <laughs> you know, the best thing you can do is give. Give and what? It shall be 
given to you. And this is this upside-down kingdom. There's lots of things in the scripture like that. You know? That's why we're kind of weirdo, smiley-faced people, you know, in the midst of all this. I mean, we just sort of keep... And you can't help it. The, the thing just keeps bubbling up on the inside. You know the truth, you know? You understand. You're not your own, right? I hadn't got to the sermon. I'm already preaching the sermon. Anyway, all right. Let's read the, a little bit of the Christmas story, and I'll make some comments along the way, all right? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pre- pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary's a peasant girl, uneducated, and here an angel of God standing before her. You would think that it might, she might, you know, might be someone that's more official, right? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll soon, you'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him, you're to call him Jesus. Now, like, do you think there was like a warm-up to this? You know? <laughs> You're going to be the mother of God, Mary. Wow. And I think this is what happened. I think he searched up and down the centuries trying to find somebody that would respond in the right way. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And somehow, this girl had it inside her. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his Father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. The angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be able to con- unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's the key right there. She said that. Can you imagine? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. We want these miracles. We want these breakthroughs. But they come in an, they don't come in a glorious way. They come in a scary way. They come in a frightening way, an unknown way. We want the best. But somehow we find ourselves faced with these incredible challenges, right? And that's just the way the kingdom works. So God must have looked all up and down the centuries to find one woman, one person, one young gal that would say yes to his invitation. And she did. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Wow. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is the miracle of faith. Mary foreshadowed the experience of all who receive God's Son by faith. Romans 5. One to two. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, what I'm going to hope to just communicate a little bit, just for a few minutes, nothing too profound, but to me, one of the most profound parts of the whole story is the response. 
and understanding that this is my walk. This is where I walk. It's all different. I have different challenges, things I'm supposed to walk through, but this is supposed to be my walk. It's the dark side of the light. It's where we walk as human beings in faith when we can't see what's happening. And all of us are challenged. All of us are asked to walk in this space, right? We get caught up with Christmas, but if you, I, I just thought maybe it might be nice just to remember what they went through, who God picked at the very, very beginning, and how they responded. It all starts with the promises God offers to us. Blessed is she who believed. That's what she says here that in verse 45 that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Yay! <laughs> right? Believe. Yes, but believe has lots of steps along the way. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the story of this birth, of this baby. There's lots of steps we're taking here, right? Like Not the least of which is what the neighbors think, that I'm pregnant now. Right? And how the spuriousness of it and she understood by faith what would happen to her. Could it be that every believer has a book of promises and destiny waiting to be fulfilled by faith? What a ride she took. Why are we so surprised at the peaks and the valleys of our journeys with God? This is what you signed up for. And it's glorious. And so sometimes we look at the sort of beautiful story of Mary, but it's filled with doubt and fear and faith and supernatural activity. This is where we live. We don't want to live like that. That's a Bible character. That's a prophet. There's a 16, 15, 14-year-old girl. That's Mary. And we venerate her and lift her up. And oh, she did well, not thinking that men who are on the same journey, she's the forerunner. <laughs> the greatest promise of all. And that when the valleys come, we crumble. When these weaknesses come, we doubt, we fear, we go through all these horrible things. And I, I just think that one thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to grow up. You know, after all these years, I'm trying to grow up. In this world, you will have tribulation. But it's all part of the process. It's not going away just because there's a really big bad devil. It's not going away because this is the process God takes you through to grow you up. He wants to pull you into this place with him of faith. It's right there in the scriptures, right? All power and favor from God start with receiving Jesus by faith. But this receiving by Jesus by faith is, is right here in the Bible. It's all for us. But when you climb into Mary's shoes and try to figure out where she was at, and Joseph, too, coming along, and the puzzling thing about it, I mean, how many have been puzzled before? <laughs> over where you are, what's happening, right? Just the sheer, like, what in the world's going on here, right? The COVID things is one big puzzle. Like, and I just think it's time for all of us to settle down and say, God's got this. Therefore, I can get this. I will finish well. It's a test of faith. But in this case, with regard to the epidemic and the whole thing that's going on, it just seems fairly unique in our day because it's a challenge to the whole world. Sometimes stuff happens over here in Botswana or over here, you know, in Cambodia or over here in China. This whole thing is like one big fat challenge to the entire earth, which makes it quite unique. But it gives us as a people an opportunity to stand up. If there ever was a time that you stood up in faith, 
it's now. If ever was a time that the church becomes visible, it's now. The whole issue with regard to this meeting together, all of this, oh my gosh, you guys, come on. We are the people of God. We bear the presence of God. That's why I'm so proud of so many dimensions of the body of Christ and so many different kinds, people very different from us. Standing up and saying, no, we gather as the people of God. We are the people of God. We are the Marys of God. Yes, it's a rough patch. But we walk with God. And he said, we're two or three gathered together. There I am in their midst. And I think if he shows up in our midst, he's probably able to cope with COVID. Or is that just too mighty for him? Too big, too devilish, too weird, you know. That's why we're weird. We operate to the beat of a different drummer. We're walking differently. We talk differently. We act differently. And the moment that we start acting like the world, we shrivel up and we just become like them. But we have something deeper beating us, the same thing that was in Mary. Same thing, somehow or another, Mary and Joseph got a hold of it. And the story is here, incredibly clear. We cannot let pain and disappointment get in the way of the miracles God wants to do in our lives. That's Roman numeral two. Personal pain and disappointment can cause our hearts to harden so that we don't recognize the invitations God is giving us. And by invitations, I mean the answers. Zechariah's heart was hardened when he received his Christmas invitation. See, he was barren. He and his wife, Elizabeth, were barren. And it doesn't translate as deeply in our culture, but it's still pretty deep if you're a couple and want to have children. But in that culture, it was like you were cursed, like something evil was wrong with you, something had happened, you know. You had somehow disappointed God. It was a horrible shame. It's hard enough. Maybe there are some here who, who haven't had children like they would like to. It's painful. But in that culture, it was just the worst. And especially for a priestly class, because it was looked down like basically you had done something wrong, you deserved this curse, it's either you or your family line. They were very causal that way, right? So we see Luke chapter 1, this story of Zechariah, which is really quite remarkable. He's actually picked to go in and do some service before the Lord in the temple, and you could go a whole lifetime as a priest and never get picked to do this, so it was quite an honor. The angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense, so the idea was you go in and do the incense, and you come out, and then the greatest thing for any of them, I mean, you have to put this in context, if any like priest or any uh, one in that sort of area, just think about your own career. What would be the greatest thing you could do? What would be the greatest honor to you, right? This is the greatest honor in his whole life if he could ever get to be chosen to do this. And most priests never got to choose to chosen to do this. But you could stand and bless the people. That's what they loved. That was something they regarded as favor from the Lord. And so he's in the inside, right? And so what he's going to do is he's going to go out and everybody will be waiting for him. And then he'll give him a blessing, right? So this is the highlight of his life, the peak of his career. You got it? Kind of, you know, it's like you're president of the United States, if that's what you want to be. I mean, this is it, right? <laughs> right. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He'll be a joy and light, a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So far, so good. Wow. That's pretty good, right? Zechariah asked the Lord, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in the years. I don't think we can have kids. <laughs> oh, man. So that sounds reasonable to me. So the thing is, it's really an important point here. Does God just bring an offer like that of blessing just every once in a while? I believe that he's far kinder than we think. I think he spends a lot of time trying to bless us, but he always has this one thing that he requires of us, and it's called faith, <laughs> right? He wants us to give us all kinds of things. He's kind, abundant. I came that I, they might have life and have it abundantly. Like, think of where you would like abundance, and God's already there in front of you. Well, I'm just like, get promoted in my work. I'd like to have a children. I would like to live in such and such. I would like to have a new house. I'd like to get a car. I'd like to... You figure out the abundance. It's different for all of us, right? Well, God's with you. He's for that. I came that they might have life, but oh, that's only spiritual abundance. No, 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 no. The whole witness of Scripture is abundance from A to Z. Spiritually, meaning you get to connect with the Almighty God having living inside of you. That's a small little blessing, isn't it? No, that's a big one, right? But Him living inside of you means all kinds of other things, right? Just like you want to bless your kids. It's so funny. I don't think parents ever get tired of blessing their little ones, especially at Christmas, just watching them, right? It's wonderful. Christmas highlights that. How can I be sure of this, that you want all this blessing for me? That's all I want in this whole life. That's all I care about. I just want a child. I've wanted it for years. You haven't given it to me, so how can I be sure that this is going to be any different? And an angel standing there right before him. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people are waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs of them, but remained unable to speak. The greatest thing in his life, besides having a child, was to get out and do that very thing that now he was going to get and he was going to be chosen. You could go your whole life as a priest and never, most priests never got chosen. There were so many of them. So he, he's going to go out and get his blessing and nothing, no voice. He can't do it. Wow. So it's so important that we understand that we cannot let the disappointment of the past get in the way of God creating a new miracle future for you. We don't live by what? We live by faith, right? We live by faith. All right. So, this critical thing here, eventually God negotiated, renegotiated, helped him despite himself, and his wife seemed to have more faith than he is in came John the Baptist, Right? But it's important, this pain and disappointment, because if God wants to do the best, will you let him do it? 
despite the circumstances? Has it gotten so far that you just can't see how it could ever be redeemed? Is your circumstance different from everybody else's? You don't know. You don't know. Well, from what I can understand, God seems to be fairly big <laughs> and can do anything anytime. So I just think it's so important for us to learn, right? Now here's Joseph as we get into the Christmas story again, right? And what does he ask to believe? And so I wonder if God just looked all down the centuries trying to find someone that would respond. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good, especially in a small little uh, community in Israel, right? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. What an honorable man, right? So he has this visitation in a dream. And verse 24, when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did the unthinkable, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Wow, that's dramatic enough. But then they go through all this other stuff, right? In every step of the way, faith was required. Every step of the way, faith was required. Maybe that's why God let these people do what they did. Maybe Joseph and Mary were the ones he could see that would respond, right? And so Magi are visiting them. All kinds of things are happening. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Wow, it's just like kind of good, but it's just kind of, wow, just when we thought we were getting our feet in this whole thing and all the trauma of all that, now I'm going to Egypt? Now, you have to understand, travel in those days, that wasn't that easy. I mean, he didn't have like relatives in Egypt. He just goes to Egypt. How is he going to work? What's he going to do? And he doesn't go back until Herod dies and an angel of the Lord appears in a dream, says, get up, take the child and his brother and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child, his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And so he ends up in Nazareth. Now, all of this is so clear if you just sit and think about it. But one thing about some of the movies that we have, and I hope everybody got to see the chosen thing, you know, it just sort of highlights this whole thing, and maybe not the least of which is this woman is pregnant. And what she's going through, sitting on this animal or walking, or however she got there, some 50, 60 miles away to have this baby. They go to the place. There's nowhere to stay. Right? I mean, it just feels like everything's against them. Like, okay, I'm having this baby. How did I get pregnant anyway? I'm having this baby. You would think that I could at least have a hotel room. No. A manger. And they follow through with all of it. Wow. What kind of people are these? Ah. They're people like you and me. No, don't say that. Yes, that's the truth. All of us. And the greater the miracle, the more we have to walk in these ways. We have this amazing invitation to walk in the favor and power of God. Yay, and everybody's jumping up. But then there's these things that we have to negotiate by faith. And God doesn't just settle all of it. He doesn't just all mark it out, you know, clearly. I was just thinking of my own life and uh, how many things I've walked through just with regard to 
our church step by step, step by step. It's amazing how many things we've had to do by faith to get to the place we are. Everybody loves the Mercy Warehouse, but they weren't there when it was born. 50,000 square feet of no space that I'm supposed to pay for somehow. Right in the middle of a recession. No tenants in sight. And there we are. And I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do? He says, well, you've always liked to feed people. Why don't you feed people? I think you have some space now. <laughs> and I thought, no way. I kept thinking. And this the idea... I don't know how I got planted in me, but he kept thinking, saying to me over and over again, you know, he wouldn't leave me alone at night in the day. And I thought, then I thought to myself, and then I hear this phrase, you have nothing to lose. You're not going to find a tenant anyway. Well, that's true. So I opened the thing up. So we get a little food. Anybody would like to get some food? Come in, right? And so that's what they began to do, right? And then it just mushroomed. It grew. And every step that we had to take further in this vast cavern that wasn't being paid for, every step that we had to, we were actually giving more. Like you, we were trying to pay for the thing, now we're trying to spend money and spend resources and everything to, you know, we're actually keep having to sow in a place where we're not getting any money and it's just getting worse and worse, but better and better because people are being touched and the supernatural began to happen. One thing came to another, but that's just one visible thing in a community of many, many Every step of the way, even you know, some of the more visible things are easier to understand. But believe me, you me, for me personally, and for our staff and for all of us, we've walked every one of these out, and it's always the same way. There's this like foreboding fear thing, always yakking in your ear. There's this risk thing, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You can't, but we, and it's amazing because like we have this prophetic activity going on in our church, this, these invitations to walk in the favor and power of God. God says you're this, right? God says you're that. And we're all go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the next day we wake up and we're faced with our life and to walk it out, that's the whole thing, right? So maybe we should give the word and then just warn them, okay, now you're going to have to walk it out, but we're, God's with you, you know? And so we kind of leave them there, you know, walk out with our faith word, you know, and but we don't walk with them. I think maybe that's what we should probably spend more time doing. If you've got a vision or a dream or whatever, walk with you through it because you will go through it. Mary and Joseph prove it. What is it you're thinking God's sowed in you? What is the vision, the dream? Well, it will require faith. So these Bible characters that we see, they somehow had this inside of them. They somehow were able to do it. How does Joseph take this woman and like believe that she's impregnated by God? How does Joseph then, how does Mary ride that animal and go into a, it just gets worse and worse. And they end up in Egypt for heaven's sake. I mean, they don't have any relatives in Egypt. You don't travel around like that. They could have died along the way. Bandits could have taken all that loot that they got from the Magi. I mean, it's horrible. The whole thing's horrible all the way through. And then finally they end up, and they can't even go anywhere. They end up in a backwater town called Nazareth, and that's where they go. And that's where they stay. And then Jesus' own brothers don't even believe in him. It doesn't stop. These people, don't. they're just walking around and wonder. They can't figure out who this person is. The whole body of Christ is walking through this kind of season as we speak right now. 
And it's an invitation to the most amazing favor and power. We, last year, had the biggest, most powerful year we have ever had in every which way you can measure it. Financially, spiritually, mentally. We had the most amazing year. And I don't see why there shouldn't be another year and another year like that, but you know what I know? There's also a little donkey ride (laughs) from Nazareth to Bethlehem that may be required. Oh, that donkey ride. It's a long one sometimes. But it's worth it. But all of you have to go through the same thing. It's always the same. Have to, yes. But it's also an invitation. It's a good invitation. It's got something good on the end of it. I would have despaired, David said, unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't know what happens to the rest of the world, but what happens to the church in this time is we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living if we do not cave in, if we walk like we're supposed to, we do what we're supposed to do as the people of God. We carry the Emmanuel presence of God to the people. And we serve and we work. And just... As an example, I, mercy warehouse because it's so full of mercy for so many people in so many ways. But we made a dramatic decision in the middle of the pandemic. That was to stay open. And they allowed us to stay open because, uh, because, of the, uh, because we were a, what do you call that kind of organization? We're, huh? We are essential business. <clears throat> essential business. How many churches forgot they were an essential business? So, but they were saying in respect to anybody that was dealing with the poor, feeding people, you know, they allowed them. So it was great. But everybody, even those essential businesses that are normally traditional open, they all closed. So guess what happened? Everybody goes, hey, there's this place called Mercy Warehouse. I can give all my stuff there because people don't have anything else to do. So they decided to clean out their garages and everything. So they all discovered us. So the Mercy Warehouse went like this. And we had so much stuff that it was piled up night after night. I know, because we had to stay late. I was with all of the guys. I mean, we're one, two in the morning because it would pile up from the door all the way to this door. It would just be in the parking lot. We had no place to put it. We didn't know what to do. We, we had no shelving. We didn't know what we were doing, you know. Uh, and so we just started piling up. We just thought, well, this has got to be a good idea. People are discovering us. And, hey, there's some pretty good stuff here. Let's just try to get it in. Right? So we, like we're having a trash run like one, one time every day now. Like big containers throwing all the trash. We're desperately in the middle of the night trying to sort it. But people got. And so the warehouse just went like that. Crazy. But everything's been going like that for us. And we'll continue to do that for us if we will continue to accept this, op- this opportunity to walk in the favor and the power of God. You see, it can be Christmas all year long. Amen. <laughs> and I say that in a scary way. Christmas, I like the gifts, but like what goes before the gifts? Well, there's a little bit of stuff goes on, right? Called F-A-I-T-H. The Christmas story, this is Roman numeral three, Roman numeral three helps us to understand how to flow and God's miracle culture. God gives grace to the humble. I don't think there's anything more humble than Mary and Joseph trying to find a place at the end. We see in the story, Christmas story, a stable, sh- shepherds, a young peasant girl who believed. <laughs> Can you get any more dramatic than that about the humble thing? I'm, <laughs> you know, They can't even get in a normal hotel. They gotta go to a stable, oh my gosh. 
How many times we got to go to the stable? I think it's maybe time for us to get used to going to the stable. Right? But with a happy face. But he's in the stable, great stuff happens, right? God glorifies his people and glorifies his words in us. God responds to the hungry heart of God, too. I want to talk about that. So there's the humility part, but then there's this word, and you can see it on point B in your outline. God also responds to the hungry of heart. One thing that I really appreciate about our people is we've been so hungry since the day we were born as a church. No, I'm just hungry. I'm not just hungry for ordinary church. I'm hungry for miracles. I'm hungry for what God really has. Everything that's in the book, I want to see it all. I want to see it all in our church. I want to see it all in my life. A to Z. I want to see all of it. But there's some weird stuff in this book. I mean, there's some really weird stuff in this book. And there's some amazing miracles, but to access them takes not only humility, but hunger. How bad do you want these things? So I love the story of the Magi. Somehow or another, they, they caught this hunger. Somehow or another, God got through to them by revelation. And these guys come all the way from the east. And then they find out that Herod has it out for the kid. <laughs> so they avoid him. They've been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they go by another route. They come. But I think God rewarded their hunger. There's some kind of astrological class or some kind of class of person that was looking at the stars and was able to, even kind of a priestly class in their country, looking for signs and wonders of the supernatural in the skies. But the point is here, they didn't have it just right, but they were hungry for something more. They were hungry. Boy, I tell you, you just can't replace hunger. If you're hungry for God, he will fill you. But boy, will he take you on a ride, (laughs) right? Hunger. If we're a little hungry in this season or made hungry, listen, don't worry. That puts us in an excellent place to receive incredible miracles. And we see this story. This is one of the most amazing of all, and you can see this on point B of your outline, uh, 3B, the story of Simeon and Anna. And if you haven't read that recently, it's just an amazing story. Before we leave the Christmas season, I just wanted to highlight these characters again. Before we go on with our life, let's let Christmas soak in really deeply so we can use all these characters of story to negotiate our life. But now we're living by faith, right? So how is it, these people? Luke chapter 2, 25 to 32. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. He'd been given a word. He's been given a word that something's going to change. Israel's going to change. There's going to be something dramatic that's going to happen. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Wow, that's a pretty big word. I bet people kind of laughed at him, you know, thought, well, well, yeah, well, it's it's all of us for that. No, no, uh, he's taking it really, really seriously. He's fasting and praying. He, he... he, he's, not, he's not moving from that temple. He's not leaving until he sees it. He knows it's coming. Moved by the Spirit. So he's in the Spirit in this thought. He went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for what the custom of the law required. And Simeon took him in his arms and praised him, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. He's seeing this thing as a baby. Oh, man, this is where I want to go. I want to go with my faith that when this thing's a baby, when this promise is a baby, this new business is a baby, this, this new thing I'm trying or doing, a school, whatever it is that we're, whatever it is that you're applying to, what your you know, division, whatever you're doing in your business, whatever you're opening up, you, he saw the promise. He could see the thing. That's what God gives. He gives a scene to it. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. He knew. He had it already. 
It starts there. When you get it born in your spirit, it starts there, and then you just walk it out. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation of the Gentiles. He even understood the Gentile thing and the glory of your people Israel. He understood the whole thing before it ever happens. Wow! And he'd been looking for this, and he recognized it. Child's mother, father and mother, marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And then there's another character. Her name's Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day fasting and praying. That's her pursuit of this thing. That's not a comfortable thing to do. But she's pursuing. That's the thing. What you need is the word. You need a word inside of you. You need God to speak to you. Then you act on that word and you cultivate it like a plant. You can't let it be uprooted. The world, if it had its way, would uproot every church in the name of its own religion. It would uproot us all. No, nope, can't meet. I don't care how long it is, as long as this plague's around. My God. By the way, it's sort of convenient not to have you meet. It's just one less thing we've got to worry about. right? Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of, of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Now, so the thing is, with these two characters, it's so important for us. These characters, they recognized God when he came, but it didn't have to be completely fulfilled. They got it. And they played their part into it as far as they were supposed to play into it. But it was part of the whole redemptive plan of God. God had already been speaking, right? God hangs out with anyone. He hangs out with shepherds and magi and tax collectors and sinners, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. But the thing they all have in common is they're hungry for God. And their weakness works for them. And in this season, I think it's time for us to let our weakness work for us. Let the plague, or whatever this thing is, work for us. And the attitudes of the people and the unevenness of the whole thing work for us. It's working for us, not against us. People are looking for stability and strength and somebody that has some answers. Let it work for us, not against us. This is our opportune time. This is the very best time to operate in the kingdom of God. We just need lots of Simeons and lots of Annas who can see that. And that all of us in our own way walk it out. And believe me, it's sort of nice to look at these Bible characters and say, wow. What an amazing people they were. But God's not, the Bible does you no good to do that. See, you've got to go, okay, what does that mean for me? Who am I in this? That's the he. The stories are for you. It was all written down for you. It's come down, the Bible has come down for you. You don't read the Bible to get brownie points. You read the Bible to get faith, to know what I'm supposed to do with my own destiny. Character after character, person after person speaks, they yell, they, they cry out to you. Who are you? What is your destiny? What are you supposed to walk in? What are you supposed to overcome? Christmas is an invitation to walk in the favor and power of God, as are all of the scriptures. The whole thing from beginning to end. We can get personally acquainted with the Holy Spirit, D on the outline. He brings unusual phenomena with his presence. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. 
he has this habit of liking to surprise us. He likes surprises. Okay, got to get used to this <laughs> with God. He likes surprises. Boo! <laughs> he likes, <laughs> right? You know how, with kids, you ever notice how long you can play the boo game with them? Like they're sitting there in their high chair. <laughs> they do that. I just love it. Surprise. And they never get through it. <laughs> you ever notice that? Could it be that God likes to play boo? Now you see me. Now you don't. Where'd you go? Now here I am. No, where'd you go? <laughs> and unlike the children in the end, uh, the, <laughs> in the high chair, we don't like that game. Right? But God does. And the sooner we get used to it, the more happier we're going to be, right? Matter of fact, I'm hoping by God's grace that our church sort of gets used to that, the boo game. Right? And those disciples, those poor disciples, think about them. Oh my God. <laughs> they're just shocked. They're walking with Jesus and they're shocked every time. He's got task gatherers and sinners. He's ended up in horrible places. They, their reputation gets worse and worse. And then he goes and gets crucified. The worst death, the most hideous death, the most shameful death. And what are we going to do now? Well, I'll resurrect from the dead. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And we read these scriptures over and over again. Wondering how they apply to us. They apply to us every day. You're all walking your own version of this. Every one of us. Nobody escapes a walk of faith. Nobody. God just looking for someone that will say yes to this lifestyle. Embrace it. Because if you do, he can take you a long way. Right? This time that we're living is a, a great time for the church to go a long way. This is a great time. The waves are huge. The surf's up. We get to get on these waves and surf these huge waves. If we like surfing at all, which is scary in itself, but wow, this is the time. The storms come. The big ones are out there. Do you want to ride them or not? That's probably the biggest thing that we have to deal with right now. You know what? We live by revelation, point E. Not on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Oh, we want him to tell us, okay, I'm going to start this school, or I'm going to start this business, or I'm going to start this, you, you name it, you, whatever it is you want to do. Oh, yeah, we want it all laid out. Okay, I'm going to do this and this. You could Give me a prophetic word about it. I'm going to give, have you ever noticed how God just gives you the opening act, and then you walk out the rest of it? <laughs> you finally got what you wanted, and now you've got to walk it out. But he like, suddenly goes quiet all of a sudden. What happened? <laughs> it was so good at the beginning. You made an announcement. We got started. But you stopped talking. Oh, God's left me. No, he didn't leave you. This is normal. This is what you do. Now you've got to walk it out by faith, right? But he doesn't speak. He'll speak. Just stop with the unbelief to drown his voice out. That's what happened to Zechariah. He gets the best news possible. Then his faith just smushes it, right? And he has to shut up. He can't do nothing. And finally, when the time comes, he gets a chance to get back on I don't like those interruptions. i got enough problems without having huge interruptions in my blessing. I just want to be in rhythm. Faith has a rhythm to it. I want to respond when I'm supposed to respond. Go forward, forward, forward. This whole time, we're walking by faith as a congregation right now. We really don't know what we're going to do. Really. 
completely. We're just trying to respond. So what we've tried to do through this whole thing as a congregation is every time something comes up, every time there's a problem, every time there's an issue, then, okay, God, what are we supposed to do? How do we respond? And my turn, it's been harrowing sometimes because I didn't like the answer that came back, you know. But most of the time it's been okay because we've been sort of walking like this a long time, but, but still it, it doesn't get easier sometimes. But this is the normal Christian walk. In God, there's always great joy and expectancy, even when times are difficult. Isn't that right? You see that all through the story, the Christmas story. The worship of the angels and the whole thing. The inter- I mean, heaven's rejoicing. Heaven's having a great time with this whole birth thing. Mary and Joseph and all the other characters are wondering what in the heck is going on. But heaven's having a great time. Notice the celebration. Heaven's happy about where we're at right now. Heaven's not grieved, not mad at the body of Christ. Heaven's rejoicing because where there's problems and difficulties, whoever apprehends this in faith is going to come away with something amazing. Because this, we like to talk about the end times, or maybe we're close to the end times or whatever, but I tell you, the end times, they'll be marked with great times of tribulation and trouble. But at the same time, this magnificent response by the body of Christ, and that will be the end time generation. Whoever, the generation that is there to respond in amazing faith, doing business, not just as usual, but doing supernatural business. Because the surf's up. It's time to get on the wave. And it's scary. And we may actually kind of crash a couple of times. We just get back up and we keep going. We'll leave you with that last thing. This thing is like not an all or, or thing. Like, okay, I know I was supposed to respond in faith, but man, I did not do well with that last go round. <laughs> right? I fell off that surfboard before I even got on it. I, I did not do well with that last thing. Right Here, the thing is. So that's called shame. And that's what the devil loves to do. He loves to shame you out of your miracle. But God's the one that redeems the past. That's why he let all these guys fail. Look about Peter denies him three times like he becomes one of the main guys. Why was that? Because God doesn't let us stay in the shame. We stay in the shame, but he doesn't care. He'll take us from the shame. I don't care how many times you've fallen down, how many mistakes you've made, how many times you deny the Lord, whatever it is, you get back up and you go again. Peter got the hang of it. It was his shame that gave him such compassion for everybody else and such patience as a shepherd of the sheep. It's amazing the training God puts through leaders, puts them through this incredible training themselves so they can have his heart for the people. Be willing to help him get up again. God's always for you, not against you. He came that you might have life and have it abundantly. The thief is going to come only to steal, kill, and destroy. Just don't cooperate with the thief. If you've had steal, killing, and destruction in your life, and it was your fault, just say, God, I am so sorry about that. It's time to move on. It's time for me to move on. Because your kingdom's moving forward, and I want to be a part of it. Could it be that simple? Yes. God's not looking for geniuses. He's just looking for faith-filled people. Look at the Bible character stories. They weren't the wise. They weren't the learned. They weren't the most important. They were just peasant people. And he even shows some magis and some other people, and he throws them all. He's, could he speak any louder? Shepherds were the most... We, we romanticize them, but shepherds were thieves. Shepherds wouldn't even be allowed in a court of law. You couldn't even take, use their testimony. 
They would even take their testimony in a court of law. These were not like, wow, they're so romantic. They're not romantic. They're with sheep poop and all the rest of it. You know, they're just <laughs> dirty, nasty. It's horrible work, you know. What makes it romantic is how God takes a shepherd like David and makes him into a king. That's romantic. That's amazing. How he calls us priests and kings. Wow. We are a royal priesthood? Are you kidding me? Priests and kings. That's us. And if you're not feeling too priestly or kingly these days, don't worry. It's all part of the Christmas story. Part of the invitation to walk in the favor and the power of God. Amen. Let's all stand. So you've been around us for any length of time. You know that we're always trying to get you and ourselves to respond to things. Because sometimes when the Word of God goes out, it, it goes deep, you know. But it's like a seed. And so when you plant that seed, you dig the hole out, right? And then you put the seed in, and then you cover it back in, and you pat it down, and then you put some water on it. Sometimes I think we hear scriptures, and we hear a Word of God preached. We hear things we have in account of church, but we don't give it enough time just for a moment to let it germinate, just to make sure I got it. To, like Sort of like we plant it, but we don't put the dirt over it, right, and pack it down real good so we don't lose it, right? That's why I always have, like to have people respond in any way they can to what's said, because I think when I was speaking, God was responding to you in all different kinds of ways. All of us have all kinds of things we're dealing with. We have the general things that we share with each other, you know, the pandemic, all that, but then we have all these individual dramas Oh, there's no time like Christmas to have drama. <laughs> the in-laws and the outlaws are there, and <laughs> the divorce things that, that would happen, and <laughs> trying to negotiate the travel and all this. Oh, it's all there. <laughs> Perfect drama, right? But so is God. <clears throat> In our weakness, He makes us strong. So when we preach like this, it's so good. Uh, I just sowed some seed. It's just nice to <clears throat> take a moment and let the seed be firmly planted. And maybe God will just speak to you even about some of those situations. <clears throat> or just trust Him that He will speak to you. Calm down. Let the Lord plant these words deep in your heart and walk out that door saying, you know what, i got a destiny. I don't care how many times I've messed up. I don't care how bad it looks on the outside. I don't care how much failure I've experienced, how much whatever, but I'm going to walk with God. God gives grace to the humble. I'm just going to humble myself before God, and I'm going to ask for grace. And I'm going to come boldly to a throne of grace, and I'm just going to march right in there and tell God what I need, and I'm going to walk it out, and I'm going to do everything He says to get past this situation. But even if it's tiny, I'm going to do it. And I am not going to let that depression and heaviness cover my miracle. I'm not going to succumb to that any longer. If all I have is my positive confession, then I'm going to give that. That's all I got. That's all I can change. I'm just going to talk about my demeanor. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change the way I talk and look. I'm going to go to the scriptures. I'm going to take their example. And I'm going to walk 
was someone that loved me so much that he shed blood for me. And then he rose from the dead, proving that he can do everything that he said and fulfill every promise that he promised. Amen. So I'd like to do is just for a moment. Some of you may want to come forward. If you want to come forward with that, that's kind of an extra thing with your faith. Why don't you come forward right now? And just do some time before the Lord. Just come right now, wherever you are. You come as close as you like. Some people get worried about being on camera. Don't worry, we got it. We're right over your head. You won't be on camera. Just come on up. I probably should have said that a long time ago. <laughs> just because we have cameras doesn't mean you're going to be on camera. Don't worry about it. That's the last thing you worry about. Just do some business with the Lord. If you need to go, feel free. I'm going to pray a closing prayer in a moment. Feel free to stay as long as you want. But if you come and stay, and I just encourage you to do that, unless you don't have any problems at all. So if you don't have any problems at all and you're in that category, and if most of you are in that way, thank God. But I think I know better. <laughs> so why don't you think of that one thing, those things that you would like to see progress and move ahead, that promise, or the thing that needs to be eradicated. Take a little moment before the Lord at this Christmas time to do business with Him. Just pray. Ask Him. Just ask Him directly. Lord, I'm in this and this, but... I'm sorry for my unbelief. Now, Lord, I want to ask you that you would change this and this and you would show me the way and you would give me your provision. So you, all of you will do that here in your own way. We've got just a few minutes here. So in this next 10 minutes, why don't you do that? And if you need to go out the door and go home, feel free. No problem. But I want to give time for people to negotiate. I don't want to just say a nice word. Let it go down inside you. Let God, just say, God, I feel shame. God, I feel unforgiven. God, I... God, I have no idea. Just tell him all about it. And then tell him, Lord, that I believe I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And if I have to get on that donkey and ride it 60 miles to a stable, I'll do it. Because I know you got something waiting for me. I'll do it in faith. Sometimes when we do this, God begins the opening act of faith paths, of faith journeys he wants you to take. So maybe you can't see the end, but you know the next thing you're supposed to do. So, Lord, I pray you'd reveal that as we're here. What's the next thing I should do solving my issues? What's the next thing I need to do to receive the King? What's the next thing I need to do? Whether it's walking to Bethlehem or whether it's naming my son John. Right? I did that one already. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, we're here before you. I pray serious business we get done here in the next 10 minutes. I pray anybody that's under the oppression of the enemy and depression and think they can't get out, I just label that a lie. I declare you came that they might have life and have abundantly. I pray, God, for abundant promise. I pray this would be a new year of walking like Mary and Joseph. Even if we find ourselves in Egypt, we're going to find our way back. Angel of the Lord, find us. Holy Spirit, find us and help us to take the steps we need. One step at a time. To walk in the light of your glory. To walk in the favor and the power of God. Amen. Feel free to go whenever you want. Stay and do business with the Lord as long as you want. We'll be here for the next 10 or 15 minutes just praying for each other and worshiping. As you leave, you go quietly so other people can just do business with the Lord while they're here.